Welcome back. We're going to hit up another episode here. This is somebody that knows so much and can articulate it so well, better than anyone I've ever met. I put it out in the social media uh, to, to this podcast, you know, to the people that are from Brian. You know, you're going to love this because you know him. Maybe to the people that aren't from Brian, or maybe you're from Brian and you don't really know much about him. You're going to be fascinated. You're going to be blown away. You're going to learn so much about this individual, and you're going to learn something from him today. This conversation was deep. It was meaningful. It was funny. It's all those things that we like to do on here. And this is someone that is my friend. So happy to call him that. My friend. Jason Hug on Indiana Drive. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Indiana Drive with Caleb Zuver and Freds. I want to thank you guys for the support we had on the last episode with Matt Whistler. It was uh, the most downloaded episode I've had um, within the first seven days, so it kind of blew that out of the water. Obviously, when you get a big name like that, that's probably going to happen. It really has nothing to do with me. It's a lot of Matt, but I appreciate your guys' support. A lot of people reached out, said how good it was, so thank you for that. And today, the man who has the uh, job of following up, <laughs> Matt Whistler, we'll see how he can do. I'm so excited to have him on, Mr. Jason Hug. Jason, how are you doing? Tell the folks who may not know, uh, you know where you've gone or where you've been and what you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Caleb. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, so my name is Jason Hug. I am a native of Bryan, Ohio, graduated in 2014. Um, I'm currently an Army officer, uh, military intelligence Army officer, and graduated from the United States Military Academy at West Point in 2018. And Caleb and I go way back um, to the days when I used to babysit um, him and his friends over in Norwick and other various places. Lakeland Woods so, with Corn Dog. Lake, yeah, yeah Lake, Lakeland Woods right near my house as well <laughs> with the Arthurs. So our uh, friendship goes back a really long time. And yeah, since I've left Brian, I've been everywhere from uh, West Point for four years to Arizona for a little stint. And then I spent three years living and working over in Germany with a little hiatus to Afghanistan for six months in 2020, just as COVID hit, and then back to Germany, and now I'm back in Arizona. So I've been all over the country and all over the world, I guess, over the past uh, six or seven years. So you've been all over um, doing it all, and uh, we're gonna get into that a little bit later. now you do have you have do have something that you want to clear up before we get yeah. into this discussion, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Just as from a professional standpoint, as an army officer, just want to clarify that 
any uh, thoughts or opinions that I express in the podcast are mine and mine alone. They don't reflect the official position of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense or anything like that. I'm just speaking in my own personal capacity. And that's just something I wanted to say up there up front because I, I do not, not that there's a, a mix between who I am as a professional and who I am as a person, but just that we're going to talk a lot of sports and, and other things throughout my life. And it's all just my personal views and, and no institutional position from the Army or the Department of Defense. Perfect. Um, so let's move into the sports discussion, Jason. Uh, you've had a chance to relish in last weekend what I think was the best football weekend uh, I've ever seen in my lifetime. Now, you're a little bit older than me. There may be a couple other weekends sprinkled in there for you that I didn't get to experience. But for me personally, all four games coming down decided on the final play, uh, and it was ended with the Mahomes versus Allen game, uh, which was incredible. Uh, couldn't believe that. Amazing television. You wanted to give some observations and some thoughts about what you saw this weekend. So let's discuss that a little bit to start this one off. Yeah, so obviously I would I would tend to agree with you in terms of a, a four-game sample. That has to be right up there with the best games in any 48-hour period. I think maybe you can make a case that, that the last weekend of college football, I, I want to say it was like 06 or 07, whatever year there was like all the upsets, the le- like one of the last weekend or two weekends. it was 07, 08 maybe. That, because yeah, Ohio State up, found themselves in the championship yeah. somehow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That That's the only other kind of stretch of football that comes to mind where it was just – it was great games. And, and that was more more chaos, I think, that, that stands out about that, that one. But in terms of this past weekend, I mean, just the quality of football play, um, like – Big big time performers. I mean, you have uh, the the Bengals kicker. Like Burrow tells the story after the game where he's warming up to kick and he says, "Boys, we're going to the AFC Championship." As a game. rookie, that and kicker's a rookie yeah, kicking in the divisional yeah, playoffs. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. So just the different quality of play and personalities involved. Um, like that that game was incredible, and then and then you follow up with you have. The, the Packers 49ers where like Green Bay comes out and scores right away and, and you're just thinking like okay this is this is going to be an easy you know like 30 to 10 Green Bay route and and then their defense just steps up and hangs and you know keeps them in the game long enough for you know a, a play to go their way at the end and all of a sudden you're you're down to a game-winning field goal again and then just when you think that that was the best day of football ever, you follow up with two more games that, again, like game-winning kick off of an insane uh, pass by Stafford. And then when that's being called the greatest finish of the weekend, you follow up with Mahomes uh, uh. versus Josh Allen. And just you knew whoever got the ball first in overtime was going to win. So... Yeah, absolutely incredible, and it sets up, uh, you know, two great games this weekend. Even with 13 seconds left, Jason, this is how good quarterbacks have gotten in the NFL. 13 seconds left, they do two plays to get into field goal range. Bucker nails the kick to go into overtime. 
I don't like when has that ever happened? Because I mean, I'm so used to you know Josh Allen threw that touchdown. I'm like, okay, the the first touchdown right after the two minute warning on that fourth down. I'm like, okay, that like, that's Josh Allen's crowning moment. Like he's gonna get past Mahomes. He's gonna be in the AFC Championship. They have a chance to win a Super Bowl. And then Mahomes comes back, and I was like, oh, well, that's just Mahomes. And then Josh Allen does it again, and I'm like, okay, this this is the one. 13 seconds yeah. left. There's no way. And then Mahomes does that again. And it forced overtime, Jason. I want to get your thoughts on this. There's been a lot of discussion about the overtime rules this week because of that game. Your thoughts on should there be a rule change? Do you have a proposal potentially for how they should do overtime? Because I think a lot of people criticizing it, they don't have a proposal on on the back end. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say I don't think the – the college football overtime is, is the answer. Um, another thing I'll say quickly too is was when the Bills went up, I was I was also I love Colin Cowherd, but he picked all the favorites for the weekend, and he was about to go like over four, and yeah. all the underdogs were going to win. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny, but yeah, with the with the overtime rules, I actually. I've heard heard Collins take on on the overtime, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of interesting. He he says that like the away team should get the ball to start the overtime because it would incentivize the home team with the crowd to be a little bit more aggressive towards the end of regulation. And I know like if you as the home team haven't um, haven't beaten the team in regulation, then it should go to the away team. But I actually like um, I like what Nick Wright has put out there, and I think. He, he got it from, I think it was like a Ravens proposal mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. from a few years ago, but that uh, the team gets to, one team gets to choose where the ball is going to start I think on if the, field. the team that wins the toss gets to choose where yeah. the ball starts. Yeah, so there's still a coin toss. Team who wins chooses where the ball is going to start, and then the other team chooses whether they want to play offense or defense. So, like, one team could say we wanted to start on the 50-yard line, and then they would choose offense or defense. Or, you know, you could say it's going to start on your own five-yard line if you want to be offense or defense. And I think I think that gets into a, a lot of different psychology and analytics. And the way the game is trending, I just I think it would add another layer and dimension that would be very interesting for coaches to have to think through on the fly but then also be, I think, like a relatively fair way of, right. of being able to decide because because ultimately it's going to be that coach's decision. Like if they if they want the ball, they can they can take it, whether they put it on the five or the one or wherever. Um, but then if they if they don't choose, they want the ball, then they got to get a stop. Couple things. So I'm glad you brought up Colin Coward because I was just listening to his uh, podcast that he does with uh, his podcast network that he started. And he had Nick Wright on, which was perfect because he just brought up both of them. And they were talking about this. And Nick Wright, first of all, he talked was talking about college overtime rules. I thought he put it perfectly. He said college overtime is like if they asked NBA guys just to play horse in overtime. And <laughs> yeah. has like no special teams. It's one play. And I thought he put that perfectly. And then they were also talking. Nick Wright brought up this proposal he saw. He, they were talking about that Ravens one. But they were talking about this one. Doing the coin flip when you do like the opening coin flip, like doing the overtime coin flip when you do just a regular flip at the f- beginning of the game so that like teams towards the end of the game, like it's already decided who gets the ball in overtime first. They have to decide like 
if they score a touchdown to tie maybe and the other team they know the other team gets the ball first you maybe go for two and trying to win it right there or like if you're going for a field goal maybe try to drive down more like I think that would be a like a lot of strategy involved. I think that one would be really interesting too. Yeah, yeah. I actually I really like that as well because that way you know ahead of time who's getting the ball. So it, it would change. I think a lot of teams calculus down the stretch on whether they're they're going to try to try to win it in regulation or not. And and I mean too, I, I've always been a big believer. Like if. If you are the road team, or especially a road underdog, then and you you score a touchdown and you have a chance to, yeah. to go for two and and win it in the last like two three minutes of the game, just just roll the dice and and go for it because like analytics say the longer that game goes, if if you are if you do not have the the athletes to to match up, then playing a longer game does not benefit you whatsoever. 100% agree. Uh, good, good discussion there. I love that. So speaking of college overtime, let's talk college football. Um, it's something that I, I feel like you've always, Jason, since I've known you, You, it's something you've always followed closely. I think, and, and I love it too, but I think even you would admit that it's not what it used to be um, by any stretch anymore. There's no with how many bowl games there are now, those bowl season doesn't hold the same weight that it used to. A lot of the bowl games, if they aren't the college football playoff, or I mean, even even the Rose Bowl, I think would be the only bowl outside of the college football playoff that still has that pageantry of college football that it used to have. Um, just talk about the changes you've kind of seen, and um, especially this bowl season, a lot of stuff was made about college players sitting out bowl games. Um, and a lot of people didn't like that. Uh, just talk about how this game has changed over really the past couple of years since the really the playoff was introduced. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, it, going back to like the old BCS system, it was, I mean, there, there was so much criticism of it. And, and I think rightfully so. I think anytime you're going purely off of a computer-based algorithm, to, to decide which two teams are going to play for a championship. I, I think that there's there's always going to be some criticism, but then sometimes you don't know, um, you know, that sometimes it's like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. And you're opening Pandora's box when it comes to a playoff. Uh, I do think ultimately it was a good decision to, to move away and do some sort of playoff. But now, now I do think it, it has devalued the um, the rest of the bowls a little bit to to the point where, like, if, if it were not Urban Meyer's last game coaching Ohio State, like, probably wouldn't really remember the Ohio State-Washington Rose Bowl. And a lot of people, maybe as I just said that, didn't even realize that, like, that was a Rose Bowl and that was Urban Meyer's last time coaching yeah. the Buckeyes after, like, he, he handed the whistle that, I feel like that could be an Affleck, I feel like it could be an Affleck trivia question. Well, yeah. who who did Urban Meyer his last game? Who did he coach against? I think a lot of that would stump a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So and and it's things like that where, yeah. I mean, there's so much focus on on the playoff now, which is why I think you're seeing the all, all the calls for expanding it and and expanding access and and it, it's just it's all about like who who should have access and. How, how many teams is that going to be? What what 
kind of quality wins or quality losses do you need to have in, in order to do that? And so I, I do think this expansion's coming, but as far as like what it's going to look like, I, I still think it's it's really early to tell. And and I think there's there's some broader issues too with, I mean, there there's even talk now that like is, is the Power Five going to try to break away and and try to create like a, a smaller like upper tier of Division One. Because I think I think you'll see a lot of you know potential backlash to to Cincinnati having had access this year, and and that sort of thing. So I I do think there's there's just been a lot of change in the past decade that I think we're still yet to see all the ramifications from. I I want to say this too because I feel like you know, e, I mean ESPN broadcasts like, geez all the bowl games but like two maybe i think fox has like the holiday bowl and cbs has like the sun bowl or something so espn does all those games right and what does espn build up all season they build up that four team playoff they have the shows every week at the rankings and there's you know when it's the matchup of the week this is like it's got college football playoff implications and i think if I think it's partly on them, but I mean, it's their job. They have a contract to air those games, so obviously you want to build it up. But I think because of that, like, this is all they're promoting. All they're promoting all year is about the college football playoff. None of the other stuff, none of the other stories of, like, teams that maybe are ranked a little bit lower off the radar. It's all about who are finding out who are the four best teams. And I think if that perspective maybe shifted a little bit, where it's not so much focus on just those four teams, I think you may start to see some more important games, some fun storylines, rather than just making it all about the the four best teams all year. What, what would you think about that? Yeah, I, I do think that ESPN has as much to do with the problem and how they're promoting it as, as some of the other like more systemic factors at play. So I think I think it's definitely a good aspect. I, I would also make the argument that like the the coaches and players, um, even like ads, have contributed to that problem as well. I I think the way that social media um, impacts younger athletes nowadays too, and and how early the recruiting is happening. I think because you really only have like one of two types of guys. You'll get most people that want to go to schools that are going to potentially compete for, for a national championship or, or compete for the playoff. Or occasionally you'll get the the more rare ones, I think, like like a Caleb Williams who has yeah. come out there and said, like, my, my number one thing is preparing myself for a future job and being the number one overall pick. But I think that is so much more rare than your athlete that that wants to go and like does genuinely want to compete for Mm -hmm. for a national title not saying they're not interested in the nfl but i think when when you're in high school like you still like you want to get to that playoff and 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 you want to you want to compete for that and that's why you don't see people sitting out playoff games no you don't see anyone people will will sit people will sit out the other bowl games and and at that point, it's a, it's a business decision, and I can't say that I necessarily fault them for that, but the, like the playoff is important enough to the current athletes and to high school players that, that are 
looking to go play somewhere in college. It's important enough that like people want access, people want to play, and but, but that is it. And if if you don't make that, then yeah, good luck seeing. I mean, what Ohio State had, you know, double digit guys sitting out of this Rose Bowl, and it, it makes it hard to to try to predict those games and like watch those games because you're trying to mm-hmm. see you know, 48 hours out, who's on the roster, who's not, and that sort of thing. And, and I, to wrap that conversation up, Jason, I, w- I would say also when you have guys sitting out, uh, like in case Ohio State did, um, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave both sat out those games, and you had someone in Jackson Smith and Jigba who absolutely had the greatest, one of the greatest games I've ever seen from a wide receiver at any level. And I think that's also, Jason, a storyline that, like, maybe some media people can talk about. Like, hey, look, like, some of these guys are sitting out. We get a chance to see some guys that are going to play next year um, and kind of focus on that a little bit. I even think then it kind of gives fans a preview into what they're going to see next year when, when guys like that sit out. So I think that's also a perspective that can be talked about a little bit. Good stuff there, Jason. When we come back, we're going to get into Jason, his life, his story, all of it's super interesting. I can't wait to get into it. So stick right here. We'll be back. Welcome back into Indiana Drive with Caleb Zuver and friends sitting here with Jason Hug. Uh, Jason, we were just talking during the break about your, you know, you turning on Colin Coward a lot. You think he's interesting. We also talked about Nick Wright earlier. Um, I want to hear your top three, like, sports media personalities that, in your opinion, that you like or think are funny. Because, like, you like Cowherd because he's interesting, right? And a lot of good points. But a lot of people like Stephen A. Smith because he's funny or Skip Bayless because he's funny. Like, just your top three can be funny or, like, just top three sports media personalities. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'll put Colin on there as as one of them. I'll, I'll say Joel Klatt yes. as well. I feel like I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very uh, Fox biased. That's okay. So I I gotta pick one non-Fox person. I'll I'll go and and this one is a little bit personal because I had a chance to to meet him and have like a, a pretty good conversation with him. So I'll go Tom Rinaldi when when he was at at ESPN. He he's not like the takes guy, but he always did like the like the my wish things when mm-hmm. he was at ESPN and he was a big part of game day and some of their key pieces. And I think now he's at Fox, right? So yes, I guess just, I guess yeah. my Fox bias is still there. But um but I always when I think of Tom Rinaldi, I think of ESPN. Right. So yeah, so I'll say Tom Rinaldi, Joel Klatt and I love that. I love that you slip Rinaldi in there because he also did a lot of like the Masters coverage, and he like would always narrate the pageantry of that event so beautifully. Like I love Tom Rinaldi for sure. Um, so let's move into you, Jason. Uh, known you for a while. You used to babysit me. Like you already alluded to that earlier in the show. Um, I've watched you grow up. I've watched you. Uh, 
travel the world. Well, I haven't watched it, but you know, heard you tra- you travel the world, and I want you to explain all of it. But let's start with your roots and where you grew up. Small town Bryan, Ohio. Uh, live in a family with two other siblings. Grew up with them. You were the middle child. Um, and you fell in love with sports, obviously. You were a three-sport athlete for all of your high school career. Um, just to start, talk about how you fell into you know the three major sports for most of your life, which was football, basketball, and baseball. Uh, talk about how you just kind of decided on those and then how hard of a grind it was and what those things taught you because those sports constantly run into each other throughout the season. You don't get much of a break. Um, just talk about what all those things taught you growing up. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would start off with my, the first memories I have of just sports in general. My dad would always have the Ohio State Buckeyes on when we were younger. And from like some of my earliest memories in my life are like marching around to the fight song around like our kitchen table and around our living room and stuff before the game so we would all be in height order so my dad then my older brother derek who's two years older than me myself and then my younger brother who is two years younger than than i was we'd all be marching around to the fight song getting ready for the game to start so even before I was playing, I, I knew what Ohio State football was, and I knew sports were on the television, and that at some point I was going to be an athlete and going to play. We played flag football in the yard too, as well. Like my, it would be my dad and Adam versus me and Derek, and Dad and Adam would always win because like my dad would just like pick up me and Derek and like hand the ball to Adam so he could like yeah. go score because he, he was the youngest and the smallest and stuff. So there's just memories like that. Um, and so when it came time to actually like start playing, I think it was it, it was always just kind of a given. And I think mostly because I had an older brother that was doing the three main sports as well mm-hmm. that like I was going to play you know, baseball, basketball, and football. And so baseball started with like T-ball, I think basketball, whatever like league started second and third grade at the YMCA. And then football, I will say, I didn't play any of the the younger flag football. Mm -hmm. My first time playing organized football was fifth grade with like the Little Bears program. And so, yeah, playing each of those, I think the, the biggest thing was it, it kept me focused on something and kept me busy and not not that i think my parents would let me get in any trouble because they're two of the best parents yeah. in the world and honestly they should write a book on parenting uh even your i mean your parents too a lot of like the the couple friends as we as we call them uh the the crew that still hangs out mm-hmm. and and we get together you know over like the holidays most years uh, all those parents are great. So I'm, so my parents wouldn't have let me get in any trouble, but sports were a good way to, to stay active, to compete, and then to learn some of those life lessons that in a way you can only get through team sports, like learning how to deal with failure, whether it's team failure or personal failure, learning how to persevere through something that's mentally and physically challenging. 
and so those those things like from an early age are are something that I I remember um, taking away from from the early years and and of course like competing with your friends and and going out and winning games and and we did end up finding some early success in our baseball teams our travel teams our football teams in in junior high and as well as our uh, basketball team as well so that that part only added to the the reason why you want to join and like be part of um, that camaraderie so obviously the two things that whenever I see you Jason the two things that we like to chop it up about the most actually there's like well yeah two things so obviously babysitting which we'll get into in this or that we don't have to waste all the good stories now um, but also just like your high school football and basketball memories because for me as a young kid like I've talked about a lot of times on this podcast with a lot of different people but just look like and I'm sure you did it with a lot of people when I, you were, you know, that age. You looked up to them. You thought they were rock stars. And I always, I feel like I have a good memory of those times and, and the games that you played in when football and uh, basketball. Um, so talk about that because you were, Jason, you were part of, gosh, I mean, probably the most successful athletic class to probably come through Brian in a long time I don't have the the history of it um I would like to say that our class was pretty good but it didn't touch what you guys accomplished in that so talk about that time as a high school student um being a part of like just some great teams in, in a lot of different sports yeah yeah so um first I would say just like just like you had role models I I remember um, some of the guys on that first, the first playoff team in Brian history, like Cody Kyle, mm-hmm. Alex Nosman. Yeah. Cooper was, was the coach of that team and yeah. stuff. So like those, those guys and like looking up to those guys, Caleb Armbruster was another one mm-hmm. when, when I was younger, that was the quarterback, uh, who stands out as, as a name. So I, I had those same role models as well. And, and then you just, you you feel like especially as we are our class as you mentioned like the class of 2014 from brian as we started having some success in junior high i always remember people talking and and saying that other teams had had similar success like other (laughs) other teams that that were not doing as well in high school had had similar early junior high success and so my my biggest fear was like we were finally going to get to high school and it was going to be like quote unquote our time and then we were going to be just like the rest of some of the other classes which is not taking away from any of their accomplishments and anything that that they were able to do because there was certainly some good classes and tons of great athletes uh too many for me to list here (laughs) But like you had Wiss on the podcast right. and and a bunch of other people, so there there's certainly been other areas of success. But holistically, when it comes to wins and losses, it was it, it was hard because team teams for whatever reason people would start individually like specializing in individual sports, and you never had like that cohesiveness to to bring a whole class through and achieve like you know sustain, sustainable success. Um, so our class, like, I, I can't say that 
there was like one thing in particular I can point to that was different about it from from a camaraderie standpoint or like we didn't all like get together and say like hey we're all gonna like play right and you know ready break you know as we entered (laughs) high school as freshmen but I I think we we did always have a core group of, of guys that were really dedicated and focused that we all pushed each other to get better and we weren't like fighting with each other so ultimately like individual success came from the team success and it was about like team first and then whatever we were doing as individuals second and so that that really started our sophomore year when a decent chunk of of my class started playing varsity football Um, there were a few that played as freshmen but but i really kind of start what i call like our high school time or like varsity high school time with three years of football sophomore junior and senior year and then two years for basketball because most of us played jb as sophomore and then played varsity for two years so starting that that sophomore year of football one i i will always personally remember my older brother was two years older than me and so you know something i'll remember for the rest of my life is being able to share the football field with my older brother for 10 games during his senior year Mm -hmm. of football and that was also the year that coach klein came in as well and just getting getting those reps under our belt um we lost a couple games that year but we were already starting to make an impact on those teams yeah. as sophomores. And the, the game that sticks out in particular is that it would have been like the 2011 season, my sophomore year, we went to Archbold, who I believe the previous year had went 10-0, and 0, made the playoffs, and had a lot of key pieces returning from that team. We went to their place in week two, after we we barely beat Van Wert. And we played in a game, I, I swear it was like 100 degrees and humid. I remember like changing my undershirt every quarter um, and they had like pickle juice on the sideline. It was like yeah. the only game I ever remember that like people were, were cramping left and right. I even, I came out of the game with a cramp in the third quarter, but it was on the road at a you know unbeaten Archbold and we won we won 24 to 21 and it was it was like the shocker that you know brian football who hadn't won a league title in like 20 some years was was back and and was playing well new coach good sophomore class good pieces in the junior and senior class and that really that game i remember being like a turning point in yeah. in building our confidence up for what was ultimately going to be the next two years so very interesting point and I want to get to you know you and and your life past high school but I do want to bring this up because it is some a thought that's been circulating with me for a while Um, I think you see this with a lot of uh, you know different different things and you know you talk about that moment where you were like okay like we're doing the right thing um, new coach in here, a team that hasn't won the league, like you said, in a long time. But you get a win like that, and it's like, okay, like, no, like th- we're doing the right thing here. We're we're making progress. Like we got to stick with it because this is the right thing to do. And I think about that, um, 
like I keep in touch with the the basketball team with their new coach in there and uh, they have a whole new you know pool of talent and I think that just goes for any um, new system that's being in place it's what you're looking for you're looking for specific moments because to buy in and I think that that what you're talking about right there with that game is a buy-in moment for all those guys that were on that team and I think that's pretty cool so all right Jason you said before the podcast that uh, you got a couple things that uh, you wanted to tell the audience about your your guys's high school football run what are they yeah so again I, I you know the the period of time I'm talking about is our sophomore junior and senior year so three years uh, we played a total of 35 games and we were 31 and four uh, obviously the last two years making the playoffs and um, and going going pretty far there so two two quick stats from the from junior and senior year junior year are and these will lead into a couple of questions that I have for you okay uh, um, I, I, so I, nobody's ever reversed year, the tables on me so I'm excited for this junior year our average margin of victory in our 11 wins was 43 to 13. And wow. then senior year, our average margin of victory in our 12 wins was 48 to 15. So we, we won by an average of 30 and 33 points respectively in those last two years. Now, my two questions for you kind of with those two, two numbers in your head are of, now this is, this is actually talking like our 35 games, so including okay. sophomore year. So in 35 games of our varsity high school experience, how many of the 35 games did we score over 30 points? This is a great question because I can't, I got to say, I can't remember the, your sophomore year as well as I remember um, your junior and senior year. I would... I would start off by saying I would have to imagine your junior and senior year. I think you guys scored 30 was the threshold, right? Yeah. I would say points. you guys probably scored 30 every single game your junior and senior year. That that would I that I would think I would be confident in saying number 1. Uh but as far as sophomore year, there's got to be like one or two in there. I'm going to well, and we, we can go, because I, I do have the numbers by season, so we can go just the, the junior and senior year if you want. That'd be 25 games, so then out of right. 25. I'm going to say you, you guys you think, never – You think it's all – Yeah. I'm going to say you guys never scored under 30 uh, in those last two years. Okay. Well, you give us a little bit too much credit. It was, in just the last two years, 21 of 25. And I, I don't have the specific games, but I think – I know, like the Wasion game, where we we won by a point. That was the, that was under thirty. The, I don't know. Yeah, it was twenty eight to twenty seven on the like the fumble into the end zone, which I recovered. I will yeah. say. Yeah. Um, I think I, was the other the, one LC. The was the other one LC? There, there was another game where it was like fourteen to seven. I thought that LC was LC, maybe. I think I can't remember if that was junior or senior. So there's those two, and I'm trying to think when else we would have been under 30. It was it was not often, clearly, 20, 21 of 25. Napoleon but, junior year playoff game. Oh, yeah. Yep, Napoleon junior year was 21 to 20. So, yeah. So There's one loss. more somewhere. 
I don't know. It might be a, on the road at PH somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> actually, I think it was. I think our the non-crazy like the the crazy PH game with the comeback was junior year. Senior, Senior year. year it was like 20, 28 to six or something. So yeah, they they kept us See, under it 30, just takes but some we, thought. we handled them. It just takes yeah. some thought and some talking to to figure that out instead of me just blurting out. You know, you yeah. guys were perfect at Evers court under 30. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, now now we figured it out. So 21 of 25. Then my my next question was going to be, and and we can just do the last two years okay. too, is, is games where we gave up less that – so we could ask you one of two ways. I guess games where we gave up more than 21 points. So – I'm going to start listing off here because I think it's the healthiest way to do it. So, obviously, Kenton, your senior year, your last game. Um, I would say both the homecoming games, PH and Wasian, both junior and senior year, I would say those two. And then. Yeah, so that's up to three. I would also say um, Napoleon, that same game, is that one? Yeah, because technically they scored 21. Right, so that's four, right? And then I would also say uh, Genoa, and that's going to be, I'm going to say five. Okay, so the number number is six. Oh! And there was like a random random Van Wert game in there where we gave up 31. It was like like 70 to 31 or something. It was like... I was so close. But, Do you understand, you were, you Jason? Were, how? Uh, oh my gosh! I would have went crazy in here if I got that. I feel so proud of myself. Yeah. So it was it was six of twenty five that we gave up more than twenty points. That's incredible. And that I, those numbers right there just put in to, like for anyone out there who doesn't know, like wasn't around, doesn't know how those teams were. Those numbers right there, it's the perfect encapsulation of what that team was and what that dominant run was like. It's incredible. Really, really yeah. is. So um, anything else you want to add there as we wrap up the high school part? Um, no, I mean, again, with every year that goes by, it's just it's crazy to think that it's been, you know, now at this point, like eight, nine years ago. And I, I just think at, at the time, what it meant to the community of Bryan and even to the like the broader area that started following us as we were into the playoffs, I I'll never ever take that for granted. Um, it was you know our junior year was like first league title in like 26 years, the home playoff game, the just awesome awesome memories, and then two incredibly heartbreaking losses in the playoffs when it was like Napoleon by an inch and then Kenton with you know whoever got the ball last was going to win it was just it it was a wild ride and for how much it meant to to Brian at the time we also like the the school levy passed one of those years I think it was our senior year and and a lot of people you know thought at the time that it was because like there was renewed excitement and energy around Mm -hmm. the community because of the football team you know stuff like that that i'll always remember and that that hopefully will always be a part of you know the brian sports legacy here even in like 20 or 30 years so i'm gonna do this one a little bit differently guys um 
Jason and I, we had a really long conversation, really, really long. Splitting it up. Part two should be released on Monday, so stay tuned for that as far as this one. Um, Like, follow, do whatever you got to do, and turn on your notifications so when episode two, or part two, excuse me, of this drops on Monday, you'll be ready to hear it. We're going to get into Jason going to West Point, uh, some of the things he experienced just traveling and being all over the world, and uh, everybody's favorite segment, this or that. So it's a long one. Had to split it up. Uh, you're going to get almost two hours of Jason Hug content. I mean, who, who wouldn't want that, right? So stay tuned. Thank you, guys. And again, Monday, be on the lookout for part two of my conversation with the great Jason Hug. Peace.